This is Rocky Snyder. At the tone, leave your name and message and I'll get back to you. Hello? Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Stop! See? Nothing up my sleeve. Crystal! Wrong hat. Welcome to the Rock Fit Files. In this episode, I get to sit down or maybe stand up, maybe move a little bit with a buddy of mine, Bobby Aldridge, who has developed a magnificent system of allowing people to move, but to bring some awareness into their body and to show them how well they can move or how well they're currently moving or where there's room for improvement. Uh, Bobby's in the Bay Area up around San Francisco, and we've been in conferences together we've attended them and presented and so on so it's it's a joy to have you on bobby welcome thank you thanks for having me on i'm really excited to be here and talk to you today so we've got a few things in common obviously we're in the fitness industry but we're also certified strength conditioning specialists i began way back in the days when when you took the exam to be certified they were you had to use a number two pencil a piece of paper and you had to fill in the bubble chart and then you had to wait weeks and weeks to you so that's dating myself but uh, when, when did you get certified as a strength conditioning specialist uh, I think it was 94 in, in that year and so oh, dude, that was about the same time all right so we're, we're brethren in so many ways before the computer industry really emerged so so what was it like tell give me your your superhero backstory your origin story so when I got started, like I said, I was, I was CSCS certified and I was focused on that and that's what I knew. And I'd watch all these other people in the gym doing their thing. And I was like, ah, oh, they don't know what they're doing. It's CSCS, you should be doing this. And I had a degree from USF in the city, kinesiology. And I went through, I kept saying, God, there's gotta be more there. But as I was, as I was trained, I was thinking my stuff was the best because that's what I knew. And now after being in the business for almost 30 years, I'm afraid to open my mouth because there's so many smart people out there, the great cooks, the great roses. You go through the list of the guys that you learn from. I love going to the conferences, the Foreign Better conferences. Um, uh, that's where I got to see you many times speaking and, and uh, uh, loved our talks that we've had over the years with the different three-dimensional and how the body moves and all that sort of stuff. But in the beginning, I didn't know you needed to know all that stuff. And it was like, we would focus on one thing. And I always felt like there was a disconnect between the certifications as we would talk to our clients. So if I met a new client and they came from someone else, they were trained a little bit differently. So what I was saying about how I got started with Bam Motion is I would work with my client. I'd leave for a couple of weeks. I'd come back and they'd be doing it differently, the exercises. So I'd look at that and go, God, why is he doing it that way? And the metrics started to help me put them in a position to actually do the exercise the way I want them to do it, to make it repeatable, to make it simple. And I mean, if you think about it out there right now, you measure everything that you do, blood pressure, heart rate, sets, reps, all of that is measured. But with mobility, we don't measure how far your feet are apart when you do the rotation. So to teach the client to practice that at home, how do we get them to do that? Um, and so that's kind of how the, 
these for my first strap came out that I showed you years ago that we talked about how to do three dimensional movements with the hands in a certain position. You know, how many inches apart were we when we were doing that? And I, I found that when we talk to the different certifications, the TPIs, the GOSQs, the NASMs, I, I'd like to have a language that our clients understand the movement. And yeah. with the metrics, we're able to do that. It's not a specific methodology. It's a special, special way to move your client that they can repeat it later. And yeah, if you're not familiar with the BAM motion system, listening audience, there is that's uh, Bobby has developed a large mat, similar to a yoga mat, thicker rubber, actually really quite comfortable, but a heavy, solid mat. And on it, it are grids, as well as a, almost like a ruler that measures down the midline of the mat from one end to the other. And there's different lines that you can set yourself up on, as well as different positions on the ruler itself. So it gives you really good understanding of where you need to be in space, provided you're doing a specific movement where you're going to have to have your feet in one place or another. Uh, or it can be used for dynamic movements, almost like an agility ladder, where you can start to do a lot of balance eye-foot, eye-hand coordination. Uh, you mentioned you have a strap as well. So there's what what are the devices? Let's let's just start with understanding the BAM motion system. You've got many devices, not only the the strap and the the floor mat itself. What comes along with that whole program? Uh, then I have a vest that you can stretch in by laying on your back and going through range of motion and movement. But it's metrically based, so you know how high the leg is up. And then I have a uh, blocks. Uh, similar blocks that are six and a half inches, 10 and a half inches, and 12 and a half inches in size. So I can have them do different movements with their upper body to work the thoracic. Um, and then uh, I have, uh, you know, mini bands and simple things like that that come with it. But the main part of the program is mobility. It's trying to teach them how to move properly depending on what tool they need. And I, I, everybody has a different lifestyle. It's just, there are so many different ways people are training out there and activities. And when you look at the market out there, there's so much now for the average person that walks into a, a retail store to buy something to try to get in shape and they buy the pretty little thing. What I'm trying to get them to do is start to move properly so they don't have aches and pains through their body, shoulders, hips, ankles. It's funny because when we started uh, as the certified strength conditioning specialist back in those early mid 90 era is that we were we were basically taught how to do Olympic weightlifting, the proper ways to do the clean and jerk and the snatch and then all the ins and outs to all the traditional powerlifting or strength training kind of exercises, you know, how to position people in and it was all about strength. If we talked about flexibility, it was a footnote at best. And so that's what most of the programs today are predicated on is all about heavy loading or really loading the body for specific adaptations to impose demand, to overload principle. We hear all those things. And yet, really, what we're finding, you and I, because we've had these conversations before, is we can get somebody stronger, not by lifting weights, but by just unlocking their restrictions. They have plenty yes. of strength built into them and that we just have to tap into it. But provided that they can't move properly, they'll never really be able to elicit 
all that force that they are able to produce. So yeah, we've, I think you and I have both done a complete 180 in terms of the program design. That's not to say that we throw away strength training because there's definitely great benefits, but it doesn't make up 95% of the program now. And I love your approach to it because you can get, it's the feedback really, isn't it? it? And it's the awareness. Those are the two critical components that I really try and promote within the clients and in the classes that we teach and the talks I give is that if you don't have the awareness of what your body's doing and you don't know the type of movement it can do after another movement you've been training, then you're just throwing mud on the wall and hope something sticks. So you know, with, with your system, you, know, you, you teach classes with it, don't you? You have like group classes with the system itself. Yes. During the pandemic, we've been doing stuff with multiple golfers around the country at one time. They all have their mats. They all have their little tools that we need. But I can just tell them, jump to this box. So it's easy to teach the classes. And then when we stretch and we want to do, say, the you know different mobility exercises, and I say, put your foot at 58, they get that right away. And I can see them on Zoom there. So I can go, hey, Jeff, go out two inches. Hey, Mike, go, up, go in four inches. So we're, I'm adapting them, but once I teach them, they now own that position and understand it to actually do the position over and over better. Because I've had guys that, for example, I got a couple stories here. One guy for basically nine weeks because of COVID was doing everything I wanted him to do. Before this, I trained him off and on for a couple of years, but he, he's a big weight trainer. He'd go to the gym. He's a golfer. He wanted to lift heavy weights. He's, his swing speeds off the charts 128 miles an hour. During COVID, I got him doing all of the mobility exercises off my poster, okay? The basics, simple stuff that you would think, ah, it's not really helping me. Assessment, I taught him how to do it. Why does an overhead squat? Why does a balance? Why he does his plank? I explain these things to him because he, he's like, Bob, I need an exercise. I need to do stuff. I'm like, can't go to the gym. He's freaking out. So nine weeks later, he gets to go play golf. Hadn't played in nine weeks. He hadn't been on the golf course. He gets released on the golf course. He sends me a text and goes, pardon my language, holy crap, I have a new gear. Wow, I was hitting three woods over 350 all day. My buddy who hits the ball equal with me with his driver, I was hitting it past him with my three wood. He says, I don't know what happened, but I've got a new gear. And it, it, it's really reinvented to me that this is really working. This is really magical stuff in the way of movement matters. And, and Greg Cook has said for years, move well, then move often, right? And like you said, we used to Olympic lift, bodybuild, lift heavy weights, but yoga or stretching or mobility, we didn't do that stuff. We didn't know about that. But I've been getting older and I have a lot of aches and pains. I'm 50 years old this year. And joints, back pain, broke both ankles, elbow pain, all this stuff, I've been paying attention to the fascia work, paying attention just to just feel better. And another funny story, these kids, I was working with these 12-year-olds before COVID, right before, yeah. they wanted to have a bench press contest with the bar. And we had the 12-year-olds go first, and they put up like 21. And then the, the 14, 15 year old kids want to go and they put up like 35, 40. Then the high school kids, then the college kids did like 78. And then they go, Bob, what can you do? And I'm like, uh, 
I'm not sure. I haven't done it in years. And I used to be able to bench 305. That was my best, 305. And I'm like, I don't bench 305 right now. I don't, I don't do heavy weights on the, on the bench press. And you know what it's like when you don't bench and you go to the bench and it's like, oh my God, it's like a house, right? <laughs> so I get on there and I'm, I'm nervous. I, my heart rate's pounding because all the guys are around and I'm like, I got to beat 78, right? And the best I ever did was 105 at the time. So I get it going. I get to 75, 100, 125, 150, 175. I get to 200. So what did that tell me? Oh my God, I'm more functional now, not stronger. I was stronger then, I know that. But I'm functional with the mobility now. So we can teach these people that are trying to learn how to move properly with the six different movements that they should be doing. Like we talk about all planes of motion, all the different things that we can do from bear crawling and you know, just learning how to move the body properly and three-dimensionally work in the body, it's doing wonders for people if they, if they stay on the program. And I'm all about the one a day. Get at least one in a day. By I have six different sections on the chart of assessment, core strength, upper body, lower body, flexibility, and T-spine. So the average person in a week can get each section in if they do one a day. Now, if they wanna move it up and go to two a day, that's fine, but be consistent because I tried to cover the body with the movements so the average person can repeat it over and over and do it right and then see where they are so they can scale it up or down. Um, yeah, and I enjoy, I really enjoy your approach with it. You know, three planes of motion, different types of directional movements uh, for the upper body, for the single arm, for the trunk, the legs. And really for me, that just, a, a, just awakens the neural map that the brain's ability to know where all parts of the body are in space, which we don't get, unfortunately, through highly repetitive actions, uh, including, say, running or cycling or something that is very one planar, strength training and so on. As soon as we start to break out from there and involve some side bending, some rotation, some different types of stepping directions, it, it's amazing what happens within the body and how it just awakens really everything. And it's a quite of a, it, it, it's amazing how a different outcome occurs if you were to say, uh, do a program that you've created with the system in place and the traditional kind of routine that we grew up doing with bench press, squats, deadlifts, and, and uh, leg extension machines or whatever they were, right? One of them, you're gonna feel beat up you're going to feel like, oh man, I'm trashed. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, this should feel good, but I am just, I can, I'm, my whole body is shaking and all I want to do is lay down or eat a burrito and fall asleep. While the other one the, that is going to explore three-dimensional, you're going, okay, let's go, let's go do some yard work. You want to build a house? I don't know. What do you want to do? Hey, let's go. Yeah. Let's go for a marathon. You know, yeah. just amazing. Not, right. I had a lady the other day, I've been training for about nine years now. When she came to me, her son was training at the high school. That's how I met her, and he wanted her to work out. She didn't work out at all. She comes to the gym. We do half an hour once a week, okay, half an hour, like to get her started. She took a five-pound weight and thought that was a lot of weight, like we're going to grab a five-pounder and move this thing around, okay? She now, after nine years, she went hiking with her husband, 
She's all, yeah, through the hills. I wasn't even tired. Bill was dying though. Bill, because Bill's a weight trainer. He doesn't do mobility. I'm always trying to get Bill do this exercise, Bill do that exercise. But he's about the biceps and get the, you know, and he's hunched over. He's got the round back. He's got that. We're trying to get him to do some of the windmills and open it up. And she is just so functional now. She's upset. She said to me literally two weeks ago, Bob, I feel so good right now. I like have such good energy. So what you just said right there is right on. Yeah, I just, I, I had a fellow who's just almost 70 years old and he plays a court sport, uh, two replaced knees, and he's just improving his game at 69 years old. His game is actually improving while his fellow competitors that he meets on a daily basis, they're wearing down. And one guy in particular, a former, uh, a former military leader high up there, who was all about kind of the basic training approach of lift, lift, lift is, is, is so stiff and so limited in his ability to move on the court that he just started to explore doing just the simple lunge. And he kind of scratched his head and says, you know, I think there's something here. I might, I might want to stop doing the leg press and actually start doing a, like a lunge. And you know, it takes what it takes. It's amazing though. Sometimes, no matter how many times you say it to somebody, it, it, whenever they're willing to hear it, that's when it is. So I want to go back to the BAM motion. And, and really, you told me a little bit about how it all came, came together. But uh, tell me a little bit more about when you're training somebody, how do you really, how do you utilize the mats and all the measurements and the grids that are laid out there? Well, the way I start always is I assess how they move. And, and the assessment in a way of movement is they see their metric themselves. So take an overhead squat, okay? That's used across the country as an assessment. But your average person that does it doesn't understand what they're doing when they do it, right? They can't see themselves unless you videotape them, right? And show sure. them. But with the mat, you put the mat up against the wall at one, and I have them start as close as they can with their over, hands overhead, and then squat, don't touch the wall. If they touch it, I tell them to back up. So as they back up, all of a sudden they're 24 inches away from the wall and they have an idea of the spatial awareness of that. And that's one assessment for you. Then I take the balance exercise. So we're gonna test their balance on one leg and we're gonna have them hinge and push a cone down the midline, the one through 72 numbers. So first of all, can they balance on one leg? Do they pass that test? Can they hinge? Can they pass that test? And then third, can they rotate while they're on one leg and how far down the line? So that gives them an assessment of their range of motion, balancing, T-spine, all that. And then when they switch legs, they're like, well, why is there a six inch difference? Why can I get further on that side than that side? And I actually came up with that exercise because my son, when he was 10 years old, was watching me do this. And I left for about 15 minutes and I went upstairs. I came down and Bodhi goes, Papa, why can I stand on my left leg better than I can on my right? I said, what do you mean? He says, I can't reach as far when I stand on my right. And it was like, oh my God, this is a great exercise. A 10 year old understands this. I can use this with all the kids. So the assessment isn't the movement, it's that the client can see where they are and what they're doing. So if you have a, a senior, they may just have to stand there and use a chair 
and balance and practice that. They can't even do the hinge and check that out, that number, right? So there's progressions and scalability to it from a pro athlete all the way down to an 80 year old senior who's trying to move and get better. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because the seniors are where I have been seeing the most benefit with the maths, with the system. And it's just a simple uh, a step in different directions. We'll, we'll do what's called, uh, you know, whether it's a lunge matrix or stepping around the clock face, where is it that you are restricted? And then therein gives me information that yeah, every movement that they do on a mat is a form of an assessment. And now I know, okay, this is the area that I want to kind of, kind of explore. Can I get them to open up here as equally as they can open up there? And then we start to develop the program based on their abilities to move. So, yeah, right on. You were going to say something else, though. And, and no, I was going to say you're exactly right with that. So the nice thing is, is you assess them with the movement. They see the metric right there. So take a side lunge, side step out, right? and they go say to 18 inches, then they come back. And when they switch sides, they can go out to 24 on the other side. And they're like, God, why am I going further out on that side? It's so much easier. If I go further, it hurts my back. Then we can do an exercise or a corrective or something that's gonna be different. And then actually take them back and retest them to see, go ahead and try it now. And it's actually scary for us. Did we make a difference, right? With the exercise, we're gonna find out right now and he's going to say, nope, it's not better, or yes, it got better. So that's the nice thing about the metric. And then the last one I do with them is a hands plank, and I have them reach down the midline so I can find out if there's any issues in the shoulders, right? Because if you have a rotator cuff issue or something's going on, as soon as they go to rotate, they're going to go, ouch, that hurts. I can't balance. I can't do that. So that's yeah, that kind of that goes along with like the move to perform assessments with the with the PVC tube in the box and so on. It can definitely. FMS, yeah. you have seven movements that they do. I love all that stuff, that's great. The thing for me is I'm trying to get the student, the client, the athlete to see the metric, not me and, and rate you and go, I'm gonna give you a two or a three. They're gonna rate themselves. They're gonna see they can't stand on one leg. They're gonna see it. I can't reach down the line. I'm 18 on my left, but I'm 14 on my right. The, the next section I have is core strength. So we go through, can they do a pal off walkout? Can they do ab wheel? Can they do these movements naturally or no, they have pain. I always look to, can they do the movement or do they have pain? And then we have upper body and lower body movements that they can do. And there's a poster on my website. If you go onto the website, it says poster that you can see all these exercises and you've done many of these exercises, but the mat will help you assess your movement so you can come back to it, scale it up or scale it down. Take medicine ball push-ups, for example, okay? People have been doing medicine ball push-ups for years. But when I got the mat and I had the boxes, I actually could control how wide I wanted their hands during the routine and how many sets I want them to do going from outside in to inside out. So if you start on the outside and you do your push-up, come in, do the other side, come in, you're going to do seven push-ups when you end on the ball. If I have them go back out, they're going to get 14 push-ups. So I have a routine that I did before all COVID and all this. I was working with Todd Durkin and his, his players down there, and we were running these guys through all his baseball players, his pitchers, outfielders, a couple infielders. 
through all these exercises and they had never done this before. They had never done these kind of walks with different positions moving their body. And what it showed them is, wow, my core strength gets fatigued. It wasn't that they just do a medicine ball push-up in one position. They actually had to move their body and move it in and move it out. And so the core strength, I talked to Don Chu about this. Why does this work so well? Why does it give you such good power in your upper body? It's because it's connecting the dots. That's one of my favorite exercises to work with my athletes. Even my seniors, I'll put them on their knees and I'll have them work on this. And if they can't even do it, I won't move them. I'll have them work this one for three, then we'll move the other side and do three. And we'll start to build them up. But the boxes help them adjust in exactly where we want them. So that's the upper body strength I love to do with them is the medicine ball push-ups. The lower body ones are the side lunge. How far can they reach? How far can they get out there with their hips when they're doing this and they step to a certain range of motion? What's that number? And then when they switch to the other side, how does that feel? Does it feel equal? Or it, it's much tougher on that side. That's my lower body part of the mat that we use it for, the side lunge, all the step behinds, the curtsies, things like that. You can get them to get into the position you want them to get into. Uh, and then we go into the flexibility, like how do they move? How's their adductor, you know, from right to left? Can they do a runner stretch? You know, Goski, runner stretch? Yeah. One of the ones- Yeah, one leg is in front of the other, uh, basically how I coach it, just for the listening audience on the, on the audio portion of this podcast, is that you have one foot, say, close to a chair, and so you take the opposite knee and you put that knee bent down on the floor right behind the heel of that forward foot. And that gives you an idea of how far apart your feet should be. And then simply take both legs and straighten them out, keeping your torso leaning over. So from that point on, you've got this kind of forward split position with your torso, preferably about parallel to the ground, and you're extending through both legs. That in the Igoscu method uh, is the runner stretch. And oh, it's so difficult to teach people to get their feet in a line. You'll tell them to kneel down behind it, and they'll think that's behind it, right? They'll think it's right here, or that's behind it. And they'll come up, and their hips are square, and they don't understand, no, no, no I want your hips over here, right? There's a yes. reason for that. But with the mat, with the numbers, I tell them stand at 134. Now they're set up. So they put their back foot at 34, front foot at 1, hand on the chair. If you have a senior or somebody, you flip that chair around and you're right here and they work in that position. But I know when they practice this week, they're going to do it exactly how I taught them that day, right? One in 34. Then next week when they come back, I'll either lower the chair down or I'll move them back. Say I want them to move back four inches here. That means I'll move it back four inches here. So now it's 38 and 34 and they're squared up because their feet are on the line. And the position, again, I just write that down. It's repeatable for next week. So the mobility exercises that we do, they can see that metric, and they can do this at home and repeat it perfectly as I taught them in the clinic or over Skype or FaceTime or whatever you're doing with them. Um, the COVID thing's been great, though, because it's been able, I've been able to get people to do these exercises more often they're not going to the gym to do their regular stuff and they're actually i've had multiple people come to me saying bob 
man, I'm so happy I started doing this because my joints feel better. My shoulder doesn't hurt and my hip doesn't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. And you understand this. I mean, we all, we understand it because we do this. Um, but I'm excited to keep learning more and more. Uh, that's why I want to talk to you more today about your book and what you're doing with your book and what's going on with that and, and really understand, you know, what you're doing with that. Sure. You know, you brought up something else that's really interesting during the COVID. Of course, most health clubs and gyms, at least in California, have been shut down. Some of us uh, in the training studios can convert outdoors and, and, of course, online, like you just mentioned. But what we're seeing is that a lot of people are coming to terms or are becoming aware that they actually don't require a health club in order to stay active and healthy. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm curious once those gyms and health clubs reopen and allow people to come in, of course, a lot of their membership has dropped off and they're really suffering from a, a profit standpoint and membership drive and whatnot. How many people are going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm actually feeling better. I'm not feeling so beat up like I was when I was working out with the weights and, and everything else and the, and the classes and so on. And I've just been doing my own stuff at home. I have found this uh, great program that I've been doing online. I'm gonna stay with that. It's going to be a very interesting world when things start opening up again. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, is that I see your golf bag behind you and you've got the big Titleist logo going down the side of it. And I, I think we both went through Titleist Performance Institute. Did you not? I did. Yeah. 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 So we've, we've gone through that, which for those not familiar with the Titleist Golf Company put together with the help of Greg Rose, Dave Phillips, and several others, this institute down in Oceanside, California, just north of San, San, San Diego, south of LA. And it's a phenomenal place. It, it's, uh, I, I pursued it primarily just because it was an offshoot of other movement assessments. And I thought, well, maybe golfers are the, the people that I should start targeting. They've got some discretionary income. They're typically older. They can afford my services. Here's the thing I found, Bobby, and I want to know if this resonates with you, is golfers are the worst at referring clients to you. Like you get one guy who you've changed, you've added 15 yards to his drive or his short games improved, or, you know, he's, he's not losing his endurance on the back nine and he's just smoking his friends. Do you think he's going to tell anybody? Hell no. He's not going to tell you. Golfers are the worst referrals I have ever had. They're awful. I switched over to tennis. I took the TPI stuff. All that rotary stuff was great. And I switched over to tennis because you can't play tennis alone. And you can't play tennis with a buddy that's injured or weak or can't laugh. So tennis, hell yeah. I don't know. Is that true for you? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I've actually had... A lot, a lot of luck with it. I've had good referrals because their buddy's back hurt and they can't play the next day with him. And he's oh. like, I want him to play three times a week with me, but he'll play once a week. So those kind of stories. I've had some funny ones because I work with a bunch of country clubs over here. Right? Well, that's good because they call me the secret weapon. I'm not going to share it with you. Yeah. Well. I understand. I've got a couple guys that have complained that work with high-level players that won't share. They're winning on the tours. And they won't yeah. share with the other players, and they've had that issue. So, yeah, that's a, that, that yeah. So I just say, forget golfers. It's a it's a good walk wasted. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'd <laughs> love to train golfers, but I just got a kick of that. You're a surfer. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. 
Yeah, well, and I don't really want to train surfers because that means there's more people out there on the water taking my waves. I'm just a very <laughs> egotistical, arrogant son of a gun. Yeah, no. You know, but speaking of the ego, actually, you know, we brought it up back in the 90s, of course. You said it yourself. You thought, I, you know, I'm the expert in the room. I know more than anybody else. And, and I think over the years, they, we've both found that the more we learn, the less we know. But the beautiful thing is the more we learn, the more tools we have to fill our tool chest. It used to be a toolbox, but now it's one of those kind of like, you know, the, those big mechanic kind of tool drawers on wheels that we can pull out a whole bunch of things. And each tool has a whole bunch of different varieties. And I guess I really, that's what I love about your, your motion system here is that you can do mobility, you can do strength. It gives you feedback. It brings better awareness to your clients. It gives them actually some really visual feedback that they can actually see improvement. The question I have too is there's, I won't say there is a ceiling to improvement, but each movement you can improve to a certain degree. And then there's so many other movements that we can explore. And I think traditionally speaking with a conventional approach to strength training, there's only so many exercises people are really willing to put into their program. They may vary a bicep curl or vary a chest press, but for the most part, they're still doing a curl. They're still doing a press, but we've got three-dimensional space, 206 bone, 360 joints. The, the combinations are endless. So my question to you is this, is that you get somebody who proves at a high level of proficiency with one movement, when do you take that movement out and start to implement something else? When do you find, say, hey, you're really good at that, but you are really deficient here. I want to take that deficiency and remove it so that you're as efficient with that motion as you are with the one that you're really good at. I put a lot of different movements at them all the time. So I'm always taking one away, putting one back, taking one away, putting one back because I want to flood the system with all kinds of different movements. So I don't Excellent. keep them on one movement. I might have a simple routine for them to start out so they do the, what I want as a, as a warm-up, because I know they'll repeat the warm-up exactly as I want without me telling them standing there. So I'll have my guys show up 15, 20 minutes early and do their movements. Then I will take them through what I want to do that day. Does that make sense? So oh, Totally, totally. I, I'll give them the basics, but I like to flood them with different stuff all the time. So the body has to react, the mind has to react. And I have them on their hands, I have them standing, I have them, you know, upside down. I'll have them doing so many different movements. And then I'll throw in the basics of the deadlift or a kettlebell or the strengthening things that we want to do. Also, on top of that, so scalability is key and progression. Yeah. It's just, it, if you can progress a little bit at a time and not too much too fast, I, I did this with my son because of COVID, he was home and they had so much time. We were doing all our workouts down here and I was pushing him pretty fast. He was pushing himself. He was really going after it, but he went after it so fast, like our medicine ball pushups is what I'm talking about. We would do 28 reps take a 90 second break, do 28 reps again. That's four times. You go in, out, in, out. Medicine ball push-ups. On the, after the third set, the fourth set, you do as many as you can, okay? He did 55 that one day. 
Now the mark is so high and so hard that he doesn't want to go there now. It's too hard. So that taught me something. We're, it's COVID, we're working hard, we're pushing, we're, everything we're doing, we're going harder because we have all this time. We can do more recovery work. We can do more fascia work, all the stuff. But what I learned from that is you have to progress at a pace that's not overwhelming. And I did, I just learned that just recently. So I want to share that with you with pushing the people fast enough, but not too fast to overwhelm them. That's really great advice. Honestly, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's that thought that I always have when I, I think of young Olympians who are in their teenage or early 20s. They've made it to the peak of their performance, of their sport or competition. They win the gold medal. Now they have about 60 years of their life left to live, and they have achieved a pinnacle of their their life early on that is a very hard thing to continue on i'm imagining they have to somehow find something else to pursue many have but i wonder i'm sure there's several stories of former olympians who reached that peak so quickly that everything else after that was uh, not a letdown but it just didn't seem worth it so it's good. I think that's the same thing in, in training and conditioning. You know, watch how high you set the bar. Is it always, and then just have that philosophy is, are we always looking to improve upon what we had before? When is enough enough? Is it, and, and, and for instance, that like the whole old school way of lifting was, you know, what is your max and what are you building upon? And you're just going to try and improve upon your max, which is just how, how heavy can you lift? At what point in time you're just going, um, I, I think that's enough. So it's really good you bring that up. Yeah, you get burnout. So you got to be careful with the burnout because especially when you're working with people that are busy at work and lifestyle and family and all that sort of stuff, and you're constantly pushing, it's the, the numbers will help you kind of back them down. I only want you to go here. I want you, only want you to do this. Oh, and they're succeeding. They're happy. They're that my, my son really helped me the last two months understand that where it was like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know I could push him like that. And then all of a sudden he's afraid of it. It's like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Now he'll yes. do 21, 21, 21. It's, he knows the feeling of that, oh my God, it's hard, right? And so uh, anyway, I thought it was a great lesson. Uh, yeah, similar story, just come, not quite non sequitur, but outside the gym. I had one of those, uh, I call it a bad dad moment. You're not a bad dad. That was just something that you learned in, in being training. But I had a, a history of going whitewater canoeing in New England. I loved it growing up. And so when my kids were very young, uh, we had a local river here in Santa Cruz that was, that was basically at flood stage level because we had tremendous rain for an entire month and the rivers were swollen. And I had just run the rapids with a buddy of mine who's this enormous man about your size, a fire captain and everything. And and we ran and thought, oh, that's great. I want to bring the kids down there. And he's going, yeah, I think I'm going to keep my kids at home. That's not such a great idea. I said, no, no, it's going to be great. You know, the next thing I know, I've got both kids underneath my arms standing on a half-submerged tree branch while my canoe is wrapped around it and submerged. 
And I'm just going, what the hell? And of course, you know, I scared the living daylights out of them. So did they want to go back in the water? No, heck no. They wouldn't even go in a swimming pool for years. And uh, fortunately, they overcame that bad dad moment and the fear. My daughter was a competitive swimmer and my son loves surfing. So thank God they forgot about, well, they didn't really forget about it. They always remind me. You remember when you almost killed us, dad? Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks. That's great. So you didn't have to go to that extreme. So I, I, I'm glad you didn't. Fantastic. Oh, crazy. You, okay. So back to, back to your system. I, I really have to just say kudos because I, I love the fact that you go broad spectrum at both ends of the, of the, of the pendulum shift or swing. And what I mean by that is we can work with open chain movements as well as closed chain movements. We can do open chain mobility, flexibility, and closed chain. It's, it's brilliant. And, and we can isolate an area when we find restrictions, and then we can integrate movement back in so it understands how it should cooperate with the rest of the body. I, I've just, I've loved it. I, I've loved your concept since you brought it to, to my awareness. And it's fun to integrate and infuse your, your movements that you've developed with the mat and with the straps, I gotta say, I don't have the vest and I'm not asking you to provide me with one by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'm just saying that the tools I have have been a really valuable part of my overall tool chest and I'm stoked for it. So if there's some physical therapists, chiropractors, personal trainers, strength coaches, athletic trainers, or the general population that enjoys moving their body and exploring, how is it that they can get your systems and your tools? What's the best way to go about it? Uh, bammotion.com. Bammotion.com. Is that one M or two M's? Two M's. B-A-M. Two M's. Oh, it's BAM, B-A-M, and then motion, M-O-T-I-O-N. And my whole thing is just keep moving, stay in motion. And uh, if you move, like Greg Cook says, move often, move well, move often. And uh, BamMotion.com, go to shop, and you can see all the products right there. And if you sign up for the newsletter, you get 10% off. Uh, and I'm doing it since COVID's been going on and people are having issues with getting to the gym and all that. Anybody that buys my tools, I've been having a 15-minute conversation. You can go on to my website and schedule a meeting. And I'll give you 15 minutes of talk time explaining some of the tools, how it will help you, what are you trying to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing that for free for a long time now since COVID. Yeah, I love it, Bobby. All right, so we're coming to a close here. I got Bobby Aldridge from BAM Motion. That's B A M M O T I O N dot com. And I really highly recommend you go check out his tools and the videos that he has. And if he can grab into one of those classes or uh, just nail them down for some training as well, you're not going to be sorry. Uh, Bobby, I don't know when we're going to be in person again. I don't know what conference we'll run into each other, but. I always look forward to that time. It's always good spending some time chatting with you. So, you know, thanks for being on the show and see if, if there's anything else you want to give us some parting wisdom. I'm, I'm all ears. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun today talking to you about all this. And uh, I hope that COVID kind of calms down so I can get back to doing what we're doing and get out there. And I really enjoyed training with the trainers. That's one of the fun things about BAM. I've been trying to teach the trainers, physical therapists, chiropractors how to use the tools. But the craftiness of those professionals has been what's the most fun for me. 
is talking to them about ideas they have on the tools. So it's not about my methodology, it's about how would you use this tool? And so hopefully we'll get back to that soon. So thanks well, for I hope so. Very nice to have you. All right, we'll see you next time on the Rockfit File. Thank <laughs> you.